1: This is the Daily Blast from the New Republic, produced and presented by the DSR Network. I'm your host, Greg Sargent. The freakout among Democrats about President Biden is at its shrillest pitch yet. After the report from special counsel Robert Herr exonerated Biden, but included gratuitous and unverifiable claims about Biden's age, resulting in a rolling media explosion, Many influential Democrats and liberals redoubled their calls for the party to consider an alternative path. Today, we're joined by Brian Boitler, who regularly criticizes the Democratic Party's approach to politics on his Substack, Off Message. This week, he wrote that the Democratic establishment is more shaken about Biden than at any point during his presidency. That's my sense as well. But there's a lot of disagreement among Democrats about what exactly to take away from this moment. So Brian and I are going to try to sort through all that. Welcome, Brian. It's great to be with you. So let's start here. We all know that Democrats constantly handering about their candidates at pretty much all times. It's a big joke in Democratic circles that during the 2012 campaign, Barack Obama's aides accused other Dems of bedwetting. But what is it about the Democratic elite reaction this time that seems so
2: different? I think mainly it's that we're starting from a position where Joe Biden is is losing in the polls. It's early, and that doesn't mean he is destined to lose. Um, but unlike Barack Obama, who led basically all the way through both of his campaigns, um, and unlike Hillary Clinton, who led in the polls through her entire race, um, when bad things happen to joe biden it compounds a losing proposition as opposed to m- creating a challenge for a candidate who appears to be winning and so the the recriminations around what robert Hur included in his report which happened to dovetail with pre-existing concerns that democrats have about joe biden and that voters at large have about joe biden uh took th- took things to a, a different level um I have, you know, I I think that the, I've not seen the Democratic Party elite so shaken to their core, maybe ever. I think back to when Jim Comey um, re-entered the 2016 race at the very end there. Democrats were astonished by that and they were worried about it, but they still thought Hillary Clinton was winning. And that's not true today. And so the, the, uh, the sort of fatalism it has inspired is is new to me. I, I don't think I've seen anything quite like it.
1: Yeah, it, it, it certainly has taken on kind of a, a different kind of tone than we've pretty much heard ever. As far as I can tell, though, when we talk about the age problem, it kind of misses the point a little bit. It seems to me that Democrats are, are really more panicked about the question of whether Biden has the fight to take on Trump again. Yeah. Age is part of that, right? But the question is really whether, and this is something I think you've pinpointed pretty regularly and very effectively. The question is really whether Biden grasps the nature of the challenge that he faces in this moment. It's different from 2020 when, when COVID gave the whole campaign a frame. I'll give you an example. One Democrat I talked to said he was dismayed that the special counsel sucker-punched Biden and Biden world wasn't ready, sucker-punched being that Democrat's language. The presser from Biden suggested that as well. He wasn't ready for this kind of sleazy, underhanded cheating. They're,
2: they're not up to the moment sometimes, it seems like. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, I don't think Biden has any age-related impairment that makes me worry about his ability to do the job. Like when Donald Trump was president, I didn't sleep well because I was worried about how he might maliciously or through incompetence screw something up. And that really wasn't about his age either. It was about his temperament and his values and his laziness and his um, sort of entitlement, right? And, and that made the Trump years uh, really like distressing, really unsettling. I don't have that with Biden at all. I, I you know, I don't worry that he's going to because he's old screw up some aspect of governing. Um I think that he has lost the energy re- required to really mount a 21st century campaign in the post-COVID era especially, um when when we expect that there will be lots of in-person campaigning. Um and I think that age has taken a little bit of sharpness out of his rhetoric, where if he was being attacked in 2008 when he was Barack Obama's running mate or during the reelection, he was still young and spry and, and quick-witted enough to, to parry with whoever was attacking him, Sarah Palin or Paul Ryan or whomever. When, um, when he is under that kind of pressure now, he, um, he wilts a little bit and he doesn't, he doesn't have the, the like, rhetorical quickness um needed to be like an an effective you know right. in the boxing match of politics and then you layer on top of that what you said which is that like he as an avatar for i think the whole democratic party elite does, still hasn't even after all this time come to terms with just how dirty republicans play and what that yeah. what that requires of of the of the democratic party if they want to be competitive and guard against these Kinds of intrusions that they need to expect will happen every campaign.
1: Yeah, I want to. I want to try to take the other side of the argument just for a minute, right? I, we're, we're all obviously surprised and dismayed that Biden is trailing Trump in, in at least some polls, right? But but the surprise isn't just about Biden; it's also about Trump's durability in the face of his multiple criminal trials, his explicit, explicit threats to prosecute his political opponents his open vow to abandon NATO countries, that type of stuff, right? Yet I just I can't help but wonder if we're making some kind of mistake. What if we're overreading Trump's strength right now, and letting that color our perceptions of Biden as weaker than he might be, right? There's a school of thought among Democrats, though, though not that many these days, that Trump is actually weaker than he was in 2020 or 2016. And so, while you know, per, you know, I agree with you 100 percent about the the nature of of the 21st century uh, semi-fascist challenge, I also think there's kind of a danger in overlooking the possibility that we're kind of letting ourselves get a little too spooked by by the monster. You know what I mean? Well, What I do think, you think of that?
2: Well, so just in general, I have felt like Donald Trump has a very low ceiling because he's so widely disliked. I've never seen him really poll consistently above 45% nationally. And if you look at the crosstabs, on any uh, polling about him um his his approvals are high but the the fraction of voters who strongly disapprove of him is almost 100% of the of the people who disapprove right the people who don't like him tend to hate him and it's really hard to get people to hate hate you i'm sorry it's really hard to get people who hate you to show up and vote for you or at least to like stay home and not vote and that's right. a huge advantage i think to any Democrat, including Biden. I think we're seeing a little bit of slippage in that. We're we're not there yet, but the way polls are moving, you could imagine in a month from now, we'll be saying Donald Trump's ceiling is no longer 45%, it's 50. And once he's at 50, that's enough to to just win an election outright, right? Um, The second thing I'll say about it is that you know, um, I, I I don't think, like, the age thing is the main concern about Donald Trump, but to the extent that he's, he's also old, he's, he's extremely, almost pathologically energetic, and it manifests in this way where anytime he's attacked at all, he, like, races to whatever medium he can find uh, to counter the attack. And usually he does it with, with lies and bravado and uh, and grievance and, you know, just things that you and I don't like, and and think are dishonest and just, you know, kind of gross. And we wouldn't want, I don't think, Joe Biden to act like that. Um, but the effect that it has is that it instantly contests whatever threatens his standing with his supporters with some, no, 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 I'm still your guy. I, like, like I, I am on top of this. They're just coming after me because of, you know, the deep state or whatever else. You don't have to worry, and we're going to stop them together. And... Democrats as a party don't operate like that, but Biden in particular doesn't because he's slowed so much, I think. And so when he is at, um, when he's the subject of unfair partisan attacks, the party in general is inclined to want to float above the fray. I think they think that that's wise politics, not to get down in the muck, which, and I think that that's a mistaken instinct. And then Biden in particular just, just doesn't have the, the sort of, um, instinct for the jugular that he might have once had to be like, whoa, no, 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 hang on. If we don't respond to this, it's going to fester. It's going to it's gonna mark me for a long time. And, and we need to get, if not out ahead of it, we need to catch up to it. Um, and so many of the like a- attack lines that have dogged Biden for the last three years have gone unanswered or answered after it's too late and, and impressions have solidified. Um, and so even though I, I, I still take some solace in the fact that, that Trump is so widely disliked, I don't think that that's a permanent condition. It, it, there's nothing that says it can't change. And I worry that it may be changing. And, and if it changes, then the, the theory behind how Biden wins starts to look re- pretty dark.
1: Yeah. And, and obviously, the press plays a major role in, 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 in this. And, and that, that brings me to another element here. New Republic editor Michael Tomasky had a great piece this week arguing that questions about a presidential candidate's age are, of course, legitimate. But, but as Tomasky noted, we can't really have a real debate about this when half the country is getting buried under right-wing propaganda, and that's exerting a gravitational pull on the entire national conversation. I think this is right, and I know you do too. You write about it a lot. The press coverage of Biden's age is really off the rails precisely because of that problem. Yet those who point this out get slammed by, you know, the realist liberals and Dems who call it evasion. But it seems to me that criticizing the press obsession with Biden's age is part and parcel of dealing with what makes this moment so dangerous, right, in ter- in the terms you're talking about, right? The, the, the unbalanced the the imbalance in 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 the discourse is what creates that sort of very thin space for Trump to maybe rise
2: above his ceiling right don't we have to go after that well i definitely think that just in general um people who have who have influential platforms they're people who political reporters take seriously should engage in a, in pushback against unfair media coverage because it can be effective i mean we've seen it in just the last couple months where, where Biden has presided over a strong economy for a long time now. But news coverage of the economy was so sourly negative until just the last few weeks. And what changed? It wasn't something about the economy that changed in the last two months. It was that there was a concerted effort on the part of a subset of liberals to say, this is crazy. This is enough, right? Like, yeah, look, look, at, look at how you covered the jobs numbers under Trump versus Biden. The jobs numbers are actually better now. The unemployment rate is lower now. Wages are higher now. You know, the 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 whole list and it worked. It it got through to the people who make the decisions about how the economy is covered. And I think that something similar could happen. Um on just about any issue where the where where coverage is wrong or imbalanced in some way including the age issue right like donald donald trump is not young he's a little bit younger than joe biden i think he's significantly more mentally disordered than biden um and he says all kinds of crazy and erratic things and so liberals like mike and you and me can and probably should say hey look if 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 you're going to make age you, the political press corps is going to make age a big focus of this campaign, well, then you need to tell voters if you're concerned about age as a thing, then it's kind of a wash at at, at best. If anything, Biden has worn his age better than Donald Trump, right? Um, and that's what what the coverage should, should reflect. Um, I do think that there's like a, an asterisk I would add to that, which is that I think liberals should want the press to cover Trump's real liabilities which i don't think are primarily his age right um i mean uh, you take what you can get right but um but at the end of the day the impression i want voters to have about donald trump isn't that he's like old and lost some speed off his fastball like if anything right. if anything if he were if 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 he slowed down a bit and was just you know kind of too tired to be a maniac i'd feel a little better about stuff <laughs> um the uh the the you know the things about him that i think are disqualifying are the incitements incitement to violence making violence a part of politics his corruption yeah. the lying yeah, no, you know absolutely. the the cruelty that stuff is um you know the fact that he's a, a like a, a jury uh, affirm that he raped somebody these are the kinds of things that i think are the most important thing for the public to know about him and so there's a sort of careful careful what you wish for aspect to this where if if liberals in their in their sort of um in their response to robert Hur and their um kind of lashing about um trying to try to get the campaign refocused on serious things push the press to also focus on trump's age and create a, a balanced picture of the age question in general it's still not like great terrain to be on because it's not really where trump is most vulnerable
1: Right, right. Especially because, as you said earlier, right, he just seems like he's kind of more spry, you yeah. know, it's like, even though it's just uh, his his kind of his manic qualities that, yeah. that we're all perceiving. Though, But about about this idea that, that we're, we're looking at something very deeply dangerous in Trump, I want to back up a bit and talk about what might be the deeper failure here, something you've written about. In the most fundamental sense, Biden's approach to the post-Trump years has been to promise a return to normalcy, right? Uh, The country needed stabilizing after the Trump trauma. Swing voters would reward reward Biden for being a temperamentally calming, civically sane anti-Trump. And yet this led him to be less confrontational at key moments, not just with Trump, but think about when GOP governors resisted protecting their constituents from COVID or sent busloads of migrants to blue states. He didn't really go on the offensive You've you've detailed other examples of this kind of failure to, to, to rise to the moment under the guise of returning to normal. Can you talk about what that strategy has wrought?
2: Well, I think I'll just say what it's wrought. I, I mean, I think it's wrought Biden having a, a lower approval rating than Trump had during his presidency, uh, and Biden being behind in the polls. Um, I think it wrought the Robert Her report. If if you if you Trace this back to the days after Joe Biden won. There was reporting to the effect, and I think it's been borne out by how uh, um, Biden and, and the Democratic leadership have have responded to Trump's legal liabilities. He didn't want like a, a bunch of recriminations to dominate his presidency. That includes Justice Department investigations. It includes congressional investigations. He wanted to make Donald Trump part of the past tense, Um and that was a big part of the impetus between uh, – that was a big part of the impetus for, for appointing Merrick Garland to be attorney general. And um, Merrick Garland has um, this sort of antiquated idea that in order to avoid controversy and avoid the appearance of, of partisan gamesmanship, that if there's an investigation that needs to be done of a, of a Democratic politician, then the prosecutor who does that should be Republican. Well, that's what Robert Hur is, right? And a a um, a party that was had a better sense of, like, a the fact that Trump had not been his career hadn't been ended by the 2020 election, um, and what the Republican Party has become would have known that it was important to have a hard charging Attorney General, somebody who actually cared about accountability for the crimes of the Trump years, um, and then who would understand that if you appoint a, pretty much any. Republican in good standing, who who happens to be a lawyer <laughs> with prosecu- prosecutorial background, to do a, a special counsel investigation of a Democrat, like even if there's no crime, they're going to slime him, right? Um, and so that's what happened, <laughs> and um, and and you know that's like a microcosm of I think the 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 thing you said is that the Biden's instinct in wanting to get Trump, like like nudge Trump out of the picture. And return to normal and be and, and and be magnanimous about everything and 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 turn the page essentially. Um a created a, a void that Republicans filled with a lot of incitement and a lot of um uh, uh defamation, essentially. And then there's the fact that Trump just wasn't defeated fully, right? He 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 survived he he survived his second impeachment trial, so he was still qualified to run. He it became apparent very quickly that he was going to run. Um, and you can't wish somebody like that out of public life. So his his um, attempt to turn the page just gave Trump a vacuum to fill with all the kinds of stuff that Trump always fills vacuums with, right? And so that's why we are where we are.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting because the appointment of a Republican, it's it's an old style of politics where Democrats still think that there's some sort of, bipartisan council of wise men somewhere that will reward them for doing things like that. And and that's just not the world we live in now.
2: Correct. I mean, I think that's not, I don't want anyone listening to think that what I'm saying is that when classified documents were discovered in Joe Biden's archives, that Merrick Garland should have found some party hack to do the investigation knowing like, like knowing that they would whitewash it or make it go away. Right. No matter what they found, you know, I think like a, like a professional investigation would have been just fine, and I and, and I think to the extent that the point of what Robert Hur did was to investigate, he got to the bottom of it. There was no crime. the 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 purpose of hiring an ethical Democrat or at least an ethical prosecutor who doesn't have a big record of partisanship of any kind to do that investigation is that when they're done, they say, "Well, we like we we investigated this fully. We found some stuff that isn't." Great. But even if Biden weren't president, we wouldn't prosecute him because the evidence isn't there. End of story, right? No, because I anticipate that a jury would see a befuddled old man who was kindly and and they wouldn't want to convict him, right? Like that's just the kind of gratuitous thing that only a Republican prosecutor would uh would throw into his report. Right. Um A to save his own face and B to do a favor for his party. But that's that that's like standard practice. Right
1: yeah and, and and the the, the, main, the main success of the Biden years, I, I mean the, the main success in this realm, the January 6th committee, kind of underscores your point, right? It succeeded precisely because Nancy Pelosi chucked off the Trumpists who were trying to to burn the place down, right? And only uh, and, and, and uh, only allowed Democrats and Republicans who, who operated in good faith to remain on the on the committee. I'd right? say
2: yes. I'd say yes and no. Um, because what Nancy Pelosi did was kick two people who Kevin McCarthy appointed off. She said Jim Jordan and um the Jim Banks. Jim Banks from Indiana, right? Yeah. Uh he's she said these two are implicated in the events of January 6th. They can't investigate something that they were involved in, so they can't be on the committee. We don't know what the committee would have looked like if kevin mccarthy had said fine fair enough here's two other people right right but i all he pulled pulled every he pulled everyone off
1: yeah all i mean is that the resulting committee didn't have any bad faith republicans on it it had only good faith republicans yes and it actually convinced the country it it didn't matter whether some committee of bipartisan wise men some somewhere would would scowl at the idea that there weren't the right number of republicans on there or anything public doesn't care about that kind of thing
2: no, they just care about like what facts you unearth, right? And what yeah. you include in your, in, in your report. I mean, this is like, you know, Republicans are, are maybe to a fault obsessed with what the information environment contains, right? Like they want the border to be a mess, not because like they particularly want to hurt the country, but because they think that it'll generate good agitprop for the 2024 campaign, right? And Trump is obsessed with Taylor Swift because she has a lot of fans, and if she endorses him, it's going to be a big story, and young people are going to hear about it, and he wants to keep that from entering the information environment, right? And after the January 6th committee was done with its work, Republicans have spent all this time, in in ways that seem a little befuddling to to, to liberals, relitigating it and trying to um, undo the investigation or undermine it or do a a counter-investigation, leak to Tucker Carlson, all of the footage of January 6th, or as much of it as they can so that he can air um, sort of sanitized clips so that, you know, people in the country who might find themselves toggling between Trump and Democrats have something to hang their hat on if they want to decide, you know what, the insurrection wasn't actually a deal breaker for me. Um, there's a real logic to it. And I mean, obviously, they take it too far. There's no, like, it, they become such a media-dominated party that they they can't govern and they don't have substantive reasons for wanting to run the country other than they want the power rather than Democrats to have the power. Um, But it's, but it's still an important aspect of politics. And I think Democrats have convinced themselves that like the truth will kind of out on its own and they don't need to be vigorously shaping what ends up in the media sphere. And, 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 you know, Republicans fill that void.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I, I think this moment is confusing in another sense, though, right? Because it's sending mi- mixed messages. On the one hand, the party's approach, having Biden be the guy who put Trump in the rearview mirror, turning down the temperature from the presidency, rebuild manufacturing, rack up bipartisan accomplishments. Meanwhile, things like the January 6th committee are, are going after Trump pretty hard. Obviously, that kind of um, formula hasn't knocked Trump out or lifted Biden to where he needs to be. And yet it paid off with a surprise win in the 2022 midterms and with a really pretty remarkable string of wins by Dems in special elections. So you look at these wins and you can kind of see a strategy sort of succeeding, right? I I mean, I guess we don't really know whether what's going to happen in the end is Biden rises to where Democrats are because they're running ahead of him now. Yes, or that's, that's or true. or Democrats fall to where Biden is. Yes. But if you, if you squint and look at it from one angle, the the formula
2: kind of has been working. Yeah, and I mean, if 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 over the course of this spring and summer, the information environment is flooded with Donald Trump being on criminal tri- trial, it might have a similar effect to what yeah. to to the what the January sixth committee was able to to do ahead of the 2022 uh 2022 midterms um the uh I, we we can't bank on that happening democrats no. can't bank on that happening right. um and trump because i mean he doesn't want to go to prison i don't think but he doesn't want the media environment flooded with him being a convicted felon before he faces right. the voters so yes like just because biden's losing now doesn't mean he will remain behind this summer, or lose the election. But he's, he is starting from, uh, from a deficit. And it's, it's not obvious to me how he makes it up at this point, because the, the tools at his behest that he thought were going to, like, Give him the lead at this point. I don't think anybody in the Biden campaign would say, yes, the plan included, we'd be behind by two points in February of 2024. Right. I this think wasn't, that's, that's right, a good that, point. That wasn't yeah. part of their That wasn't part of their plans. So so what is it that's going to lift him back up? Okay. The economy will have more time to improve. That might do it. Um, and, and, and by the way, we know that the political science tells us that there's
1: this kind of lag behind the improving econ- economic sentiments, and mm. that's happening. You know that sort those of. sentiments are getting lifted. I guess all I mean is that it's a confusing moment for a lot of people, and that kind of explains the freak out a little bit because nobody really knows which signals to read.
2: Yeah, well, I just i i, I think that like what, what what I have not said, and thus Biden needs to drop out. But I do think that the party owes us an accounting. Why is this not? Why has? Why do you think this hasn't worked so far? This has been your approach: um, be the anti-Trump be magnanimous where he was vicious, uh, be bipartisan where he was relentlessly partisan, be ethical where he was corrupt, um, govern the country well where he governed it into um, into catastrophe. Uh, and they did all of it. They did a really good job of implementing the plan they thought would work. And now it's it's eight (laughs) months before the election and it's not working. And so we should, we should expect them to level with us. They will level, I bet you they will level with donors about why, why they think it isn't working. If those donors say, Hey, if you want the money to keep flowing, you have to show that you get it, or you have to, you have to convince us that your plan will work at some point. Um, it just isn't now. And so I, you know, if, if, if their view is we just want another two or three months to see if, Improving economic news, like if the, the lag effect that you were talking about—that I think is a little bit under theorized—if it just naturally buoys Biden and lifts him up ahead of Donald Trump, then you know, then like I will, I I will be happy to have had my fears proven misplaced. Um, but yeah, so far, I think it's, I think it's so legit, far, you know, yeah. you put a, you put a lot of faith in somebody like Joe Biden to, to like I'm going to save America from Donald Trump. I'm going to do it in this exact way. He does exactly what he said he would do that he thought would render, you know, Donald Trump unelectable. And now Donald Trump is ahead of him. It's a problem. And, and, and no question, something, something needs to change. Either the polls on their own or the strategy that got us there. But, but if like the road we're on is when in which Trump gets reelected.
1: So I would add one nuance to this if I can. I mean, Okay. I think probably Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer or or another Democratic governor might be stronger against Trump than Biden, maybe. But, But Trump is an unusual politician, right? In his own twisted way, he's probably the most charismatic and talented politician of our generation, aside from Barack Obama. And one thing that's always missing from all these freakout discussions, it seems to me, is we'd be profoundly nervous about any Democrat going up against Trump. And maybe, okay, would Whit- would Whitmer be ahead by a point or two nationally? Yeah. But it's, it's structurally built into the problem of having Trump around that we're going to be afraid for anyone going up against him. I mean, it's not like if Whitmer were on track to winning the nomination, we'd be feeling super confident. I mean, would you?
2: I mean, i think that I think that I would feel better about things i mean obviously for if she was if she was the candidate and leading by a couple points, I'd feel better just based on the numbers alone um i apart from whatever the the number said at any given moment, I would feel better about her candidacy because she's vital you know she can uh she can mix it up well she's she's a she's a um energetic campaigner um and she's also charismatic um And, uh, and she doesn't have a ton of baggage, right? And, you know, politicians all accrue baggage over time. And sometimes they, the baggage they accrue, it's like really unfair. Um, the baggage that Hillary Clinton accrued, uh, ahead of the 2016 election, going back 20 years before that, a lot of it I thought was pretty unfair, but it was real. And I think we both agree that if she didn't have that baggage, she would have won the election. Biden now has lots of baggage, um, and Whitmer doesn't. And so that's, and, and neither do most of the the people kind of waiting in the wings, uh, for, for after this election, I think like that, you know, they're not running now, but they hope to in 2028 or beyond. Um, and that's an asset like Donald Trump, of course, would go after him a- after whoever was running against him in his, you know, the only way he knows how, um, just like raw aggression and libel essentially, Um, but it takes time for that to, um, to like fully polarize the electorate. Right. And, you know, Joe, Joe Biden beat him like 51 to 46. I'm I'm doing this from memory. Um, and I think that if the election were held today, the, the baggage that accrued since 2020 would, would put it like much closer to, to 46, 46 or something like that. And whoever would, would run in his place wouldn't have that. So I would just feel better about a, a talented alternate candidate on those grounds. But you're right. I mean, the it, it, Donald Trump is a dangerous candidate because as widely unliked as he is, he is very well liked by about 40 to 45% of the country. The people who do like him are, are efficiently allocated in the electoral college. Yep. And so even like on a... Just on, on on an unlucky day, weird weather or whatever, he can beat just about anybody in the Democratic Party. Um, That's the thing. but he but yeah. he but he but he loses most head to heads against most people because he's widely unliked, and so Democrats I think would just find find themselves feeling better about things things if the candidate they were running against him weren't also widely unliked. And unfortunately, Biden has found himself in a position where his, his approval rating is only something like thirty six, thirty seven percent.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that gets to the to the core of this, which is that on some basic level, a lot of us feel that maybe Biden just doesn't have the fight in him, and the polls don't make us feel better about that. Brian Boitler, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it was, it was a blast. Glad to be here. Folks, a couple last-minute notes. Make sure to read in The New Republic this week Mike Tomaski's piece entitled The Only Mental Acuity I'm Questioning These Days is the Mainstream Media's and Walter Shapiro's article entitled, Joe Biden's Historically Selfish Decision to Run for Re-Election. Thanks so much, and we'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Daily Blast with me, your host, Greg Sargent. The Daily Blast is a New Republic podcast and is produced by Riley Fessler and the DSR Network.